0: Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three Stakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito we good live right now, man. It's going down sided for the season. You know, we coming off a playoff win.
1: I mean, you know, we had a couple wins. The streets of old milwaukee was
0: a young boy walking somebody needs to take this
2: mic away from you you never need to hold it again it's always a hater in the group
1: hello
0: and welcome to the brew hoop podcast we are going to be talking all about summer league today the ups the downs the triumphs the sadness of Fletcher McGee and all of us who thought that he might be okay <laughs> turns out he just didn't really play at all or shoot or anything so I'm of course Adam Paris co-managing editor of brewhoop.com joined as per usual by right as per usual by Riley Feldman and Kyle Carr fellas how's it going on this uh wonderful post-summer league edition of the pod
1: well I think we all come in with a little bit of resignation in our voices because basketball is like officially, officially over for 2.5 months and then the season starts again. Uh, and unfortunately, as is uh, Bucks Summer League tradition, the Bucks did pretty much as awful as you could expect throughout their uh, selection of five <laughs> games, which we'll get into. But um, no, I, I think... It's, it's kind of sad not having even fake basketball to watch anymore, but we'll break it down, and then everybody will get a nice, deserved summer break, and then we'll come back to it later. But
2: Yeah, it was summer league basketball at its finest, um, and how you define finest is totally up to you. <laughs> <laughs> but it was weird because I think because the Bucks in the past have just been – I've had someone that was worth caring about, and now this year it was like, well – it's not really like a player that's for sure going to be on the roster that I'm going to invest to see how they look for the first time. Like, normally it's a draft pick, but because the Bucks didn't have one, it was kind of like a I don't know who these dudes are, I guess I'll try and care. But in the end, it's summer league basketball and it's going to be for either a two way spot or maybe even a training camp invite. So, does it really matter in the end? To some people, yes.
1: <laughs> But yeah, maybe not. To a, maybe everybody. not to this group right here. I don't know.
0: No, I guess not. Yeah. Kudos to the people that did care. I, I, I always get kind of excited for summer league basketball to be back. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah. Bucks basketball. I can finally watch it. And I get two minutes into the first game and I'm like, Oh, nope. don't need <laughs> re- to watch a whole lot of this.
1: <laughs> I remember a lot of this from last year. It looks very similar to your past of just chaos and, <laughs> Every once in a while, Jock Londale putting up fifty five points or something crazy <laughs> like that. But outside of that, there's not much to get excited about, unfortunately.
0: Yeah, finished obviously with a two and three record overall in the uh, summer league expedition. I think when I look back, I was we still haven't had a winning record since 2012. So <laughs> shout out to the Buck summer league team, especially the <laughs> the Jason Kid years, really good. Sean Sweeney one and four for all of his years handed off to Josh. What was his name? Longstaff? Oh, Broghammer. Yeah, handed it off to I thought that's what you said. No. <laughs> yeah, Longstaff is on the staff No.
1: Yeah. I got confusing. Um, anyway. Around. Too many Johns.
0: Yep, that's right. Me too. So, yeah, Broghammer one and four as well. But, uh, Kyle, was there anyone who actually, at least in terms of the, the summer league proceedings, who, who piqued your interest at least a little bit?
2: Um, I would say Dalton Holmes looked pretty decent. I would say I especially that first one against the Sixers, it just like he caught fire. He has a good shooting stroke, I really like it. Um, definitely needs another year to like get his body more NBA ready, but I'd say he was the guy out of all the ones that we weren't sure on going in that he kind of stood out to me the most. Um, I didn't watch much of Jock Landale, so he sounded like he was pretty good. Same with Elijah Bryant, but. For me, I would say if they can get Holmes on the Wisconsin herd, that would be a win because I think he has a future in the NBA compared to everyone else. So it's just, I think he, just his shooting stroke, his ability to just create his own shot and hit those shots is something that, you know, especially for a D2 player, you don't see that often. So I think a year with the herd would be awesome. And I guess he was the only one that really stood out to me
0: out of anyone else. What about you, Riley? Anyone? Anyone look? Uh, show some show some flashes that you were interested in.
1: How about DJ Wilson with that six point average? Huh? <laughs> that's what. I'm, that's exactly what we're hoping for in year three, DJ, and uh, hopefully that's uh, to be expected because he's been pretty much awful in all of summer league. But of all the guys not named DJ or Sterling, um, like Kyle was saying, I thought Elijah Bryant was interesting just because I know I think he had a. Invites last year, or he, he had maybe he was did a training with the Bucks or something along those lines. But I think they've kind of kept his, their eye on him for a little while, and he's kind of interesting as like a lead guard, but can do quite a bit of scoring, as evidenced by just his sheer output. But he can, you know, also do a little bit of passing. So it's kind of an interesting, like all around guy, and that's kind of why i had hoped Rajon Tucker would be, just because there were moments where Rajon could flash the athleticism, but it seemed like. I don't know if it was like he doesn't have enough ball skills or um, he would switch off on defense and you would kind of see moments where like he would choose the right shot attempt or kind of choose the right pass but he's not a flashy passer so I was kind of disappointed by that as well a little bit Um, but in general I would agree with Kyle that maybe Dalton Holmes was the top guy that was most interesting but even then he still seems like there's quite a bit of work that could be done so I doubt there's anybody that Again, that isn't named DJ or Sterling. That's really going to break through right away onto the roster, um, and maybe they'll upgrade Bonzi. But outside of that, pretty much same old, same old from summer league. And uh, like, like you said, off the start, RIP to everybody's Fletcher McGee dreams. Uh, I, I am very skeptical he will be brought in on a trainee camp invite. Uh, though I, I could be wrong. I don't know.
2: Yeah, he was brutal yeah. or didn't play. Other, I mean, the Portland game, he had a couple moments where he hit in the first half where he hit some shots off the dribble. But otherwise, if you thought Fletcher McGee was going to be this guy that could be, like, a store-brand discount version of Kyle Korver, I think those dreams were completely thrown out the window.
0: Yeah, it was too bad, too, because he seemed like the most tailor-made fit within Bud's potential offense. I mean, it was like, yeah, this guy just likes to shoot threes. That's pretty much all he does. And then, so it was pretty disappointing. I honestly was kind of disappointed to really not see him play at all or even – shoot much in any sort of meaningful way uh, probably I doubt that the training staff or coaching staff is hiding him for any potential reason I think he probably just does not have a future potentially with the Milwaukee Bucks I don't know if anyone else really go ahead right
1: I was going to say it probably should have been a red flag to the entire league when the NCAA record maker for three pointers wasn't even drafted. There was probably <laughs> beyond his three point shooting and excuses that he was the only guy on Wofford that could do anything. I'm sure there were probably other reasons that uh, he was not a uh, worthy of even a second round pick.
0: Excellent, excellent point. I thought Matt uh, Matt Farrell was actually decent on the team. I don't know. He showed like a little bit. Of, he had like a very a dogged nature defensively and was really built for a small guy um had a had a had a decent quick trigger and showed some decent passing skills so he was the only other guy that really stood out to me uh, Riley is there any reason for concern given the fact that Sterling Brown kind of played um
1: like dog crap um I <laughs> it's a it's a good way to put it I don't really think so because you know, even like last year, so he took like a really dominant role on offense last year and kind of similar ish this year. But both he and DJ were like not great. And I don't know how much of that is to chalk up like they just got off of their seasons and maybe they don't really give a damn because this is their third year at Summer League. Um, And, and we've seen, you know, the past two seasons, especially last season, that both of them are capable of doing something at an NBA level. So. Um, even though they didn't play super-duper great, I think it's encouraging that they still ran Sterling out there as many minutes as they did for the three games that he did appear. Um, shooting, definitely, let's work on our sh- shooting a little bit more over the summer, <laughs> Sterling, but um, I, I think it's just probably more confirmation that he's not going to end up being a reliable like lead option um, on an, in an offensive set. And I'm not sure really how much more to take away from that because again, they just got off. They're probably looking forward to like, okay, we can finally get our summer started. So if they came in super, not focused on dominating to the fullest extent, I would get it. And I'm going to chalk it up to that.
0: Yeah. Kyle, any, uh, any lingering concerns based on the play of the actual rostered players by the bucks?
2: No, I'm not really concerned just because we're not going to expect them to be the lead guys on any lineup that the bucks throw out there. So and D.J. Wilson defensively was still good, I would say. It was, I mean, offensively, he was not great at all. But defensively, he was good. Sterling, it seemed like he just couldn't get any shots to fall, which, you know, he might just have been in a slump. Um, I'm not too concerned just because I feel like D.J. Wilson's going to be used mainly as, like, that switching, like, four that you can throw out there and improve your team's defense. Well, Sterling's gonna kind of just bully his way in, can be that dogged defender, hit a couple corner threes if needed. So I'm not worried about them. Bonzi Colson, I don't know if we're gonna count him as one of the NBA players, but he was good throughout all of summer league. And I guess that was something that was encouraging, just seeing that he after the release should get another two-way contract, if not maybe just be on the full roster itself. But Bonzi, I would say, was out of the three NBA quote unquote NBA players, he was the most impressive.
0: Yeah, I generally don't read much into it either. I guess um, I'm going to take the larger sample size of Sterling Brown um, beating the basically playing better than a lot of the Detroit Pistons in the playoffs over how he performs in the summer league, and I kind of it, it was nice to have that as a litmus test too uh, to recognize that when some of the other guys who are going off I get I get a little FOMO when like guys on on other teams are going off like Lonnie Walker's going off for the Spurs and I kind of wanted the Bucs to draft him last year or Zaire Smith is looking good for the Sixers he's showing some flashes and that makes me get a little FOMO because Dante isn't playing and the Bucs don't have a pick that's playing this year and they're not going to have for a lot probably some of these impending years to come they're probably not going to have picks really in the first round in case they trade them away for some potential reason so but it was kind. Of, it is. It was probably good to try and acclimate to the fact that the Bucks might not have first-round picks playing on their summer league team for the years ahead. So it was kind of good to get used to that and get used to the seeing these other people flash and spurts like Walker or, or Smith, and also still realize that summer league doesn't mean a whole lot in any meaningful way.
1: Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. And I don't know why you were so upset because the thing with Dante is. He's super healthy right now. He's, he's in well, yeah. such good shape right now. And he's already proven himself. So I'm not concerned about that. But kinda besides that, jokes aside on that, I think kind of wrapping around the only thing that I would be concerned about with the you know, the two main guys, Sterling and DJ, and then Bonzi to a certain extent as well, as like we came into this summer league and the bucks kind of advertised the fact like, okay, they're going back down there again because we want them to be like the lead dominators. And even though this won't be their exact roles on the roster in this upcoming season, they obviously envisioned bigger roles for both of them and for both Sterling and DJ in different regards. I'm not sure if you got anything out of this summer league. that was like, okay, I feel comfortable Assuming that he'll be able to step up and fill the gap, like Sterling, like fill the gap that was left by Malcolm. Now, obviously, the way that Malcolm plays and the way that Sterling plays, totally different. But I think any sort of, I wouldn't say delusions, but just like ideas or hopes that there's going to be this seamless transition and it's no real drop off. I think this summer league, one I think kind of knocked that off. And that's important to a certain extent. should probably help calibrate our expectations for both of those guys and for the roster at large as we kind of head forward. So that would be the only other point I would kind of come out of with the main guys off of summer league.
0: Yeah, I think that's an excellent transition. We were going to talk a little bit about free agency, especially in the wake of the huge Kawhi news that he's going to be heading over to the LA Clippers along with Paul George. So Paul George stays in the West, but obviously the Bucks' largest foe, the Toronto Raptors from last season uh, is essentially slayed at this point. They'll still probably be a decent team, but Without Kawhi, the idea of them beating the Bucks seems a little um, outlandish to me, at least at this point. But, Riley, you wrote a piece this week just talking about the landscape of the East, who sort of left in terms of who the Bucs might have to go through on the, on their way, hopefully, potentially, to the Eastern Conference finals or wherever they go in the Eastern Conference playoffs. So do you want to just, like, walk us through a little bit of, of how you kind of felt uh, based on after, you know, reporting writing 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 that piece and just looking at the the landscape of the east you want to just walk us through how, how you sort of felt at least
1: initially yeah um i think the the main summary of the piece in general the way that i kind of ended up feeling at the end of it is like with and i, I believe yeah it had finished up after quiet move so with that move it becomes pretty obvious pretty quickly that Anything less than like a finals appearance, given especially this last season and the way that the league has moved around, given free agency, um, I think you know the path for the Bucks to a finals appearance is as wide open as they could hope it to be, and that kind of has to do with both like you know the moves that were made. Like it, we'll talk a little bit about Philly, and they're probably the one B of the East. But besides losing Malcolm, the Bucks retained, which was the goal throughout the. Majority of the core, they still have Giannis, they still have Chris. And now they're beneficiaries of the fact that one of the contenders from last year has fallen apart with Kawhi and Boston. Who knows about them? They're kind of all over the place losing both Kyrie and Al Horford. Um, and then once you kind of get off of that, Indiana's interesting insofar as they have a lot of solid guys, but they're not going to have Victor Oladipo until like I think December or January. So, you know, what's their season going to look like? And then past that, it's it's an open question. It's kind of the usual as years pass, where once you get to five through eight or even beyond that, it's just kind of a mishmash of good-ish teams, but probably nobody that's going to seriously contend or seriously threaten the Bucs. So I would say the main feeling I got out of it was if the idea is to try and at least win a championship, the way that the Kawhi saga kind of worked out was as perfect as the Bucks could hope for. I know there's a lot of people who would love to get another chance at beating the Raptors in the Eastern Conference Finals. But to me, I, you know, there's no such thing as asterisk for championships. It, none of that matters to me. I just want as simple a path as possible to the finals. And I think with the way free agency worked out both internally and externally, the Bucks have positioned themselves to get to the finals, you know, as, as good as you could hope they have as good of a shot as possible.
0: Yeah. I a hundred percent agree with this, the set of the no asterisks too. I mean, LeBron, no one, cares anymore about the fact that LeBron had basically an easy path for years on years and years. The only team that his heat basically had to beat was that Indiana Pacers team that aged worse, or worse than like a, a cheese that was left out. So Kyle, how do you feel about the, the 76ers? It feels like they're probably, obviously as we're talking here, the, the, the prime con- potential contender for the Milwaukee Bucks. They signed Al Horford, got Tobias Harris back, Ben Simmons, Joel Embiid. Um, our guy Zaire Smith uh, started flashing some stuff in Summer League, so potentially their depth might be a little bit better next year. But how are you just feeling now uh, in terms of the, the landscape of the East and the Bucks' potential ability to go through the Sixers roster? I'm having a hard time with it personally because I just I, it, it seemed like their their team was already so weird, and then they made it weirder.
2: Yeah, and I said it on the last episode of the podcast. Their defense is going to be fantastic. Their offense is going to be shambolic and i still feel that way it, it's one thing to add al horford but they don't have any shooting like you lose jimmy butler which you know that's kind of it was both a good and bad thing for philly just because jimmy is someone that can get his own shot and you know he's one of their best scorers. but you have he was also a taking time bomb when it happened in terms of locker room and there's no way he was going to want to take a lower role but now I mean, I look at the starting lineup and Josh Richardson can shoot, but is he, he's not better than JJ Redick. Tobias Harris is okay, but for how much you're paying and people want to complain about Middleton and I'd say Tobias Harris is an inferior player to him. And I don't know if he's really going to be a guy that is going to justify that salary and be that good of a, like be that key player in a contending team. We know Ben Simmons doesn't want to shoot and I, When it gets to the playoffs, it's going to get to the point where you're going to play four and five because Simmons is going to be on the court and he's just going to pass it to someone. And Horford and Embiid, yeah, they're good pick and pop guys, but they're good enough that you have to guard them. But at the same time, you could let them take 10, 11 threes and you're going to be okay with that. So I just don't know what Philly has offensively that's going to trouble Milwaukee. And I know people are like, well, now they can slow down Giannis. It's like neither Embiid or Horford can slow them down. So I don't know where this idea is coming from. So I don't know if it's going to like the Sixers are not going to walk to the finals, like some bench scrub named James Ennis had said, and I wouldn't even say the Sixers are one B. They're just, they're number two and they're solely number two Um, for the rest of the East. It's interesting just because I still think Toronto's going to be good enough to make the playoffs and maybe even get home court advantage. I don't know if they're going to like, I don't wouldn't consider them contender, but they're good enough to get home court. Boston replacing Kyrie with Kemba was a good thing, but losing Al Horford will hurt. Um, Indiana has nice pieces, but kind of like what Riley said with Oladipo being out until December, January, who knows where they'll be. Miami's fine. They'll probably make the playoffs. You know, Detroit might make the playoffs. Brooklyn's going to for sure be a playoff team. It's kind of like a lot of, other than the Bucks and the Sixers, there's no one else I can see win
1: these are conference. Yeah, and I would just kind of yeah, – so, go, go for it, Adam. You go, you go.
0: No, go ahead, Riley.
1: Okay, well, I was just going to kind of wrap back around quick on Philly. So I, I tend to agree that there are a lot of questions just because they have an oddly constructed roster. And I think the main difference for me until we see how that team actually plays is like – they're relying on Joel Embiid, who, win healthy, is a really, really good player, but he shows up every single season, 600 pounds overweight. He has a back that is held together by Twine, and he's just, there's this weird, like, he's not a, he's obviously a dominant offensive player, but, like, he's not an initiator whatsoever, so they still have to figure that out. It's a weird fit between him and Al Horford. Like you said, Ben Simmons, he doesn't shoot from outside. I think it'll help that he's going to have the ball a lot more on offense. But, you know, Joel Embiid isn't exactly like a run it up and down the court kind of guy and neither is Horford, I don't think. So that's kind of a weird one as well. And once you get past the top five, it's a lot of Mike Scott minutes, like just a lot of Mike Scott minutes. And how is that going to hold up over the course of a season? So I think if you're looking at Philly and the Bucks, both of them, I think of all the Eastern teams and we can talk, I think Boston probably gets a little bit of short change um, just because they also made a lot of moves, but we'll talk about them. But I think if you look at those two, just top-line talent, maybe there's similarities, but the edge that the Bucks have is they have a whole season already under their belts, essentially perfecting the system and keeping the majority of the guys who perfected that system on roster. And you have Robin Lopez and Wes Matthews, which we can kind of work in. But I think there's a lot more reliability for the Bucks, especially now that they've had a postseason together with kind of the way they want to play. Um, that once it comes to the tight moments, I think that's going to end up proving out. Um, and again, it all it takes is one injury. To Joel Embiid in their season quickly, you know, hits the brink. Like that's, that's a really tough spot for them to be in. So I think they should get respect, but I, I think it is an open question to see how exactly it's going to work.
0: Yeah. I'm really fascinated to see. I think you actually make a good point with Boston uh, getting short shrift. I feel like last year Kyrie just was an awful crazy influence on that team and like torpedo just about everyone's season, uh, including probably the young guys. So I'm actually curious to see if like Tatum and Brown will play better in a in a much probably healthier uh locker room culture there. So and they definitely have the assets to make a move to. They make, you know I, I talked, I think I tweeted this out, but like the one of the reasons I kinda like the uh I, I was fine with the Malcolm Brogdon move is I think it was important for Horse to get a few more assets in his war chest in case some sort of move came along. I mean Looking back on it, that you know, say what you want about Eric Bledsoe, but the fact we basically got him for a first-round pick and dumping Greg Monroe's salary is kind of crazy. And uh, you just, like, you don't know when that stuff is going to happen again, and you want to be able to, when you're a contender like that, you want to be able to at least have some chips to play in that regard. And so I think uh, I, I think it was, it was a smart move in that way, and obviously Boston has more assets than the Bucks, so they'd be able to outbid the Bucks for that scenario to come up. But um, I, I'm really interested to see what happens with them, and I – so they're, they're really the only other person that I even consider potentially in Milwaukee's uh, stratosphere at the top of the East. And I'd also think Milwaukee's probably getting short shrift, at least in terms of national conversation, just because it was everything stayed the same. And so I think people are sleeping on that, even though there seem to be like the second, they have like the second best odds, I think, to win the title. So um, it just seems like not, not that many people are talking about them at least at this point, uh, just because there's not a whole lot of change or not a whole lot of new things to talk about. But, uh, at least locally, there are some new, different things to the roster that, like you were saying, Riley. We should probably get into. West Matthews, Robin Lopez joined the fray, uh, and then obviously the big news this past week was on Antetokounmpo signing with the. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Let's. I, 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 I want to get into about that. About it. I think. Yeah, let's let's like this is mm, all right. Let's let's tell me about uh, your feelings about Thanasis Antetokounmpo signing with the Bucks, Kyle.
2: It's whatever. It's just a 15th roster spot. I don't care. Like, if Giannis went to the GM, if Giannis went to John Horst and ownership and said, sign my brother, are you going to say no? No, of course not. So I don't care. Like, he's not going to play. He's mainly there probably to keep Giannis grounded, probably, you know, like as a nice security blanket. I don't know. Like, it, it doesn't. I think we're making way too much of a big deal out of it. Yeah, I get the nepotism and blah blah blah. We just signed Brook Lopez's brother as well, so maybe there's <laughs> nepotism running around the organization. Who cares? I don't. I don't. It's a 15th roster spot guy. Like maybe the NASIS can be used as a throw in case of emergency defender if wings if you're short on wings because there's not really a lot of threes. There's you know we have a lot of guys that can play the two, but no one that can really play the three besides. Chris Sterling and maybe West Matthews. So it doesn't hurt to have another wing out there, and it's the fifteenth roster spot. Who cares?
0: Well, I feel like a lot of the some of the can, there there are certainly some concerns from people, especially like the idea that yeah, it is it is like you know, fifteenth roster spot, who cares? But the idea of like, what if you have to end up having to trade that fifteenth roster spot? It's weird that like that's like the guy who you would normally be able to do whatever with, uh, but if you do something with him, are you worried that you're going to piss off your franchise cornerstone? Um, Is the other guys in the locker room going to start to feel like, "Mm, well, the franchise is just pandering to Giannis in every sort of way. Is he just like running the ship now? Is that going to mess with the sort of locker room culture and uh, what's going on in there? Uh, Do you, do you share any of those concerns Riley?
1: Yeah, I, uh, you know, for me, I, I understand where Kyle and kind of the viewpoint that Kyle's representing now is coming from. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I get it to a certain extent, but I'm just categorically opposed to it. Like, philosophically speaking, I think it's just not wonderful. Like, like you said, Adam, there's the worries about like, what if you for you know, it's it's a rare situation where you need it, but if the Bucks plan on like winning right now, which ideally is the idea then you're probably going to need every possibility, like every, you know, bit of flexibility. And to me, it's just like, I'm opposed to it because one, the nepotism, which I think is silly, like, you know, how small league is that? And I get it like 15th roster spot, but you know, we already have a little bit of nepotism in the different reaches of the organization with the ownership, which is whatever they're the owners. It is what it is, but like to, Hander exclusively like that is to me, it just, I don't agree with it. Just the idea behind it. Um, If you need to sign Giannis's brother to 3 million guaranteed in order to get Giannis to stay with the team, like you probably gone wrong elsewhere that, you know, everything else hasn't been ideal so that you have to have this extra like blackmail essentially to get him over the line. And it's like, you know, Robin Lopez, same kind of situation where, you can kind of. I, I'm okay with Robin Lopez because you can squint and kind of see the basketball reason. But anybody out here trying to rationalize that we're going to use the Nasus Anadakumbo as a like D up guy in the playoffs in a critical situation when he couldn't break through with the freaking Knicks years ago, like the tire fired, <laughs> you know, he, I think he played six NBA minutes with the Knicks, like, and I don't know, I I didn't follow his Greek career, but I'm pretty sure he only averaged like five points a game, and I don't even know how many minutes when he played over in Greece. It's like we cannot look at this in any sort of way unless we're trying to delude ourselves as anything worthwhile on the court. Like I'm going in that he is not going to play at all, and if he does, it's definitely like trying to, again, curry favor with Giannis, which I guess you do what you got to do, but to me, I, I don't like it. I still haven't really reconciled myself with it. And I should say, if the Bucks bring Monte Ellis in, I better not hear a single person complain about wasting a roster spot on Monte Ellis. Otherwise, I will lose my mind. Exactly. I if think the I- Monte Ellis game, whatever. <laughs> Again, end of the bench guy. See, but it's okay. So but here's the thing, right? So we're saying that now, but I think the same people are saying, oh, it's whatever, end of the bench. Had it been like a year ago with like Christian Wood or anybody else that's been on the end of the bench, there's been like this line of thinking for a, such a long time, which I don't necessarily disagree with. That like you have to maximize every possibility to improve the team, even if it's like a flyer on some guy like you know, Dawdon Holmes. You take a flyer on him, maybe it works, maybe it doesn't, but you just just a 3% chance that this guy who has no NBA experience, he's still a relatively unproven commodity, he might break through. That's not going to be the case with the Gnosis. And now all of a sudden everybody's like, ah, you know, it's whatever, no big deal. Like those same people just a year ago were like, well, we need to, we need to keep Christian wood because who knows if it breaks through. So I think I'm probably more annoyed with that kind of philosophical change by everybody that we're going to look the other way just because it's Giannis. And I get that we have to look the other way because it's Giannis because he's Giannis. I get it. But it's just, it's the hypocrisy behind it all. Is really, it's a little bit too much for me to bear. I'll grit my teeth and bear it just because that's what we got to do. But you know, I, I've just been kind of annoyed with the rhetoric around the whole thing from a lot of different people is kind of where I'm coming from.
2: Yeah. And that makes sense with like Christian Wood. Cause I think, and I think the issue was Christian Wood had such a dominant summer league and it got to the point where Urson had his contract and we can all agree that it's not a great contract. So it's like, why bother with that? He went through a stretch where he wasn't playing well and then DJ Wilson wasn't playing at all. So I was like, well, why not just give this guy a chance? While I think this year it's a little bit different where we're not, uh, you would hope that the players ahead of, you know, the Nassas and eventually maybe Monte Ellis or whoever else the Bucks put in that role, you uh. kind of hope that you don't have to make sure. Yeah, well, we can get to that later. We <laughs> kind of have to hope that they're not expected to be contributing or, you know, there, there is this hope and i get that you want to like you maximize every roster spot as much as you can but the biggest thing though is to make sure that your guys from 1 through 8 are good enough to compete for a championship and if guys 1 through 8 are good enough to compete for a championship then that's when you know you get to like 14 to 15 and it's not as dire or because the bucks don't have much cap space you know you're unless you, and they don't have much assets they don't have much cap space so these contracts probably aren't going to be able to be use unless you're trading like an Eric Bledsoe or, or like, unless you're trading with some of these other higher contracts for the guys that are in spots one through eight. So I guess for me, it's just more of a, I'm not worried about, you know, for 13, 14, 15, I'm worried about one through eight, one through nine. And I think the bucks one through nine has, is now good enough to be, to win a championship and not making the finals would be a disappointment. And if they don't make the finals, it's not going to be because, you know, spot, 14 or 15 didn't play, or they were just given a contract for nepotism or Monte Alice have it all. It's going to be because, you know, Eric Bledsoe had another crappy playoff series or injuries hit the team or trying to think of another, like maybe no one actually does fill in that void that Malcolm Brogdon left. So relying on guys on a vet minimum or, you know, 14 to 15 roster spot I don't think that's a good way of thinking in terms of wanting to win a championship
1: see but okay so Adam I'll give you a chance to rebuttal but I just want to jump in one more time so I get all that and again I think that's a reasonable take Kyle and I should keep that in mind but if that's going to be the case right so then the other rationale is like okay they did this to keep Giannis happy right you know what would keep Giannis happy Having the best top eight players possible, and I don't think letting Malcolm Brogdon go would have allowed that, or that's that's not achieving the best top eight. So if we're going to be happy about this, then I understand. You know, if, if we're doing everything, quote unquote, to keep Giannis happy and get to that next contract, I think being able to compete right now at the highest level would get that, and keeping Malcolm Brogdon would definitely do that, in my opinion. So I, you know, I agree it, with that. It just seems it seems strange, and it, it's like okay, so we're not going to spend the money here, but you know what? We don't have any problem spending this three million and, you know, granting a roster spot to Thanasis just because he's related to Giannis. Like this, it's there's a lot of weird stuff going on, and I'm not a fan of it personally. That's fair, Adam. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know it. It feels like a hedge on their part. This whole thing has been really, really difficult for me to parse out. Um, I, mean, I mean, on on one end, I'm like, okay, I. Uh, this guy kind of seems like a crappy Stanley Johnson or whatever. If you like are put in like awful, awful contexts that are way off your prescription. Um, And we do need, like you do need a three or whatever that you can put on the roster. Um, I tend to agree with Riley that like, there is no sort of realistic basketball argument that you could ever sell me in a million years, no matter how drunk you get me. To make convince me that Thanasis Antetokounmpo makes a whole lot of sense being in the NBA, considering no one was really even sniffing around him, and at, at the but then at the same time, I'm also like, I don't know freaking anything about how he plays at all. I, I mean, I haven't watched him in years. I obviously he couldn't break through with the Knicks, but sometimes the Celtics just take these flyers on guys. Like, I mean, we just saw Daniel Dice play minutes in the playoffs for them, and yeah, granted, he got eaten alive, but like they've been doing this for a couple of years. They just pick a random guy out of Europe and I have no idea. I've, I haven't looked at any of their stats. I have no idea if it's like significantly better than the Antetokounmpo. Santander um, Cupo. But it, so I, I don't even like really want to you know, get into the basketball side of it because I don't know anything about how he plays. And I think anyone who talks about how he's played or like how he's improved or anything like about, about how he's played recently probably has doesn't know either unless they've like been like watching Greek basketball, which Um, kudos to you if you're someone who did that (laughs) um but like like i i and then at the at the same time i one i don't think robin lopez besides being a potential argued put into the nepotism thing i don't think he belongs in this conversation at all because i actually think he no matter what i think he's an app really good asset at like 5 million because he could start on a lot of teams. And so at the very worst, you could always trade him partway through the year and Brooke Lopez could easily get injured. And I think you need another big body in there. And Lopez Robin, even if he doesn't shoot threes, I would say on the defensive end, he could probably be a reasonable facsimile of Brooke, which is a a huge, huge element of of why this team was so successful last year. So uh, I don't know how many guys you can actually find who will be able to do that and have the same sort of rebounding effect as his brother. So um, anyway, I, 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 the, the thing I, I, I am not sure about though, Riley is after this whole Kawhi thing. And I know Giannis like just had this article in ESPN talking about how he's like, he wants to be in Milwaukee you know he wants to be part of a winner or whatever. Like who's, he's like, here, I'll just, I'll just read this quote here. Okay. It's a, it's a, on the ESPN article. It's from Giannis. I'm going into year seven. It's insane. My goal is going to stay the same. It's get better. Take it day by day, step-by-step. Step, and the ultimate goal is to win a championship. As long as that, as long as As that we are all on the same page and we are all focused on that goal. Why not play for the Bucks 20 years? Why not play 25 years? Why not after playing be a member of the coaching staff for a member of the front office? But we have got to have the same goal. We have got to have the same principles, the same. We got to focus on winning a championship. I want to be part of a winning team. As long as we have the same mindset and same approach to the game, there's no reason for me to move and not be like Steph Curry, not like be like Dirk Nowitzki or Kobe Bryant or Tim Duncan. So... That all sounds good. It sounds like all the kind of stuff that he's been saying for years now. Um, And maybe it's true. This is maybe this is a a, a, he's different than some of these other superstars because of the way that he grew up. Maybe he wants to follow the Dirk model. I'm really curious how some of these Euro superstars might be in the years ahead if they do that or if they kind of follow the typical superstar model now of, of forcing your way out. But all Giannis has talked about is how important his family is to him. And so the, maybe the Bucks think that this is the way to do it. But I honestly have no idea if this is like would help them keep Giannis. I have no idea if winning a championship would mean that Giannis would stay. I just like don't ha- I don't I don't know if we have any idea what it is that's going to ultimately convince people any superstar, just like Giannis, that they're going to stay in the same city. I like I have no idea what the answer is. Um, so maybe the Bucks feel like, hey, if we just let's win a championship. We also have the Gnosis. Let's just like throw four different pieces of spaghetti at the wall and hope that something sticks.
1: Yeah, I get it. And I think talking about like, if they're trying to balance where like the main hope as Giannis just articulated and the team does as well is to win a championship, like I, we can agonize about Malcolm Brogdon. And I think the idea, like if you wanted the best top eight possible, bringing it back is the way to do that. But like we just discussed a few minutes ago, the path to the finals is as open as you can get, even without Malcolm. Like, you know, if your main competitors may be Boston and probably Philly to get to a championship position where anything could happen potentially, um, I think that bet will probably pay off for them. And I, I also understand from the aspect of, you have to keep in mind, like, if you want to continue to make Giannis happy and continue to have the ability to be a contender, then, You know, trying to avoid getting into the repeater tax any earlier than they have to. I get that as well. So I think once I kind of cool down a little bit, I understand all the different moves they're making. And I think you're right, Adam, that they're probably just betting like hedge as many bets as they possibly can because if Giannis leaves, obviously the team is screwed. Like there's (laughs) no getting around that. Um, (laughs) So so I understand where it's all coming from. It's just like I said earlier, for me philosophically, I just don't agree with it, and I'm I'm not going to drop that. But if you go at it from an objective sense. You get what they're trying to do. And I think they did as best as they could to kind of serve those two masters of keeping Giannis happy, both on the court and off the court. So I, I understand it where they're coming from, from that regard.
2: Plus, I mean, yeah, it's not great to lose Malcolm Brogdon, but I guess at the same time, if Brogdon suffers another injury and misses, you know, 20 games next season, then I guess that kind of justifies why not bringing it back was the right decision. It's kind of tough to tell because of he, when Brogdon is healthy, he is a really good player, but he hasn't shown to be healthy in the past two, three years. And I guess it could also, you can turn around and be like, well, you just paid 20 something million for a guy that can't stay healthy. And then you get into that issue. And then you're kind of decided, well, now you're in the tax for a guy that's not healthy, but you have to get out of that tax area or you got to pay this repeater tax because you know, a player isn't healthy. Then it kind of, it's just a, it was a lose lose for the Bucks management in terms of what to do with Brogdon. Cause he's such a good player that you wanted to bring him back, but not bringing him back can be justified with one injury. And they were able to get the uh, draft prospects. And I mean, hell, if Giannis, if the Bucks win a championship next year or even two years and Giannis still decides to leave, then I guess like, then what i mean they accomplished a goal and getting the championship but you still lost you know the best player that's going to be part of the franchise so i don't think and anything can change within a year obviously we just saw the league went from well golden state's going to win another title to anyone can win this title now and all it takes is one injury one trade one mismanaged organization and you have a shot unless you're the chicago bulls then you don't have a shot
1: Then <laughs> you don't have a shot. Amen. That should be our podcast motto. If you're the bulls, you don't have a shot.
0: <laughs> I think it's, I think it's interesting though, because it, it's felt like I think the local, uh, I mean, okay, now I'm getting into something where I'm just like, I'm seeing, I'm see things within my own spheres, but it, it's felt like more of the rhetoric, at least locally has uh, bended a little bit more towards your side, Riley. Uh, but I haven't really felt, seen like almost any seems like national people are all kind of either like dismissing it or being like well this makes sense this is like smart this is yeah why wouldn't you get his brother in like this is like a this makes a lot of sense so i I think it's kind of interesting to look at those two sides from it um because yeah i mean they're not always plugged in and they're national people aren't always like as like considering maybe some of those like locker room implications or whatever but uh i think they're it's it is still interesting to see their point differ so vastly i think from a lot of the the people who at least i follow on twitter
2: and i don't love that it was a guarantee like the fact that it's guaranteed i think it's really yeah. what
0: makes it i think that's really
2: the core issue that most people have is that it was guaranteed for two years
1: and that's i think point. and i think if we're accounting for like what the difference between nationally and locally it has to do simply with the fact that like you know i i, I love Giannis to death and obviously he's the best thing that's happened to the franchise in decades but at the end of the day i'm a Milwaukee Bucks fan, you know, and it's like having Giannis maximizes my enjoyment of the Bucks. But if, if Giannis left, then, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to follow him to whatever team he goes to next. Like that's just not what I'm going to do. And if that's going to be the case, then I would, I, I get leery about like, we're going to sell the entire franchise, the franchise that I value, like the team itself to to Giannis essentially and like it it, there's a lot of weird dynamics so I I think I would explain the difference there just being like you know for the national guys like yes of course everything you know you you sell the franchise down the drain to keep this guy and I understand that perspective and I share it to a certain extent but I also you know again I'm not like a shareholder like whether or not the Bucks win or lose really doesn't affect my life at all but you know I'm trying to I kind of still am stuck in this perspective of like thinking about what's quote unquote best for the team or like thinking about the team at a, as a larger entity than just this one player, because even though in basketball and in the NBA, that one player is the difference between competing and otherwise um, it's kind of tough to get out of that general fan of the team mindset. I think it's probably what the difference is there.
0: Yeah. That's a great point. I hope, was this therapeutic for you guys? Was this good?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, we could yeah, probably no, yeah, <laughs> just like. just a big sigh there. I, I didn't know I had this all built up in me. It's just I, I, I got so annoyed seeing so many people like, you know, dismissing out of hand any sort of concerns about, you know, bringing Thanasis in. So I, I guess I it was good to get that off my chest. So thank you guys for letting me do that.
2: Yeah, I guess I've just gotten to the point where the less I'm on Twitter, the better. <laughs> and that's I think that's why I'm kind of just more dismiss it. I was like, I'm not going to get into an argument with people over 15th roster spot on Twitter. I, I don't have time for this.
1: No, hold on. Okay. If you want to get me started talking about the TBE, though, you better oh, watch out. God. That's a whole different story. That is <laughs> That's a whole favorite. other podcast right there is what that is. That is an understandable fight to have.
2: <laughs> Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com.
0: Uh, Chris Haynes just tweeted that free agent big man Costa Koufis has received preliminary interest from Detroit, Sacramento, Toronto, and drumroll please.
1: Milwaukee. Chicago Bulls. Oh, okay. Milwaukee. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Sorry. Does he so, play for the Greek
1: national team technically? I think he does, right? I don't, I think so. I don't know.
2: Because I remember we had an episode where we talked about the Greek national team and yeah. he wasn't part of it, but Nick Kalithas was, and I said he was the most <laughs>
0: dangerous player. <laughs> um we, I, we had an episode where we talked
1: about the greek
0: national team absolutely
1: <laughs> i think it was i mean the lightest discussions you can have because we were talking about dante <laughs>
2: playing for the italian team which yes, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: oh, I, I we're gonna have more greek national team content too with the FIBA world cup this summer but uh i'm yeah,
0: pretty excited for the FIBA world cup
1: yeah that um, should be cool I be a nice, yeah I, I think it's yeah. uh, interesting that apparently Giannis and the Greek Federation patched things up because it seems like every summer they have something to squabble over. So I'm curious to see if that happens again or not. But uh, there should be a lot of good teams. I, I too, am excited for it. that will actually be worth watching. unlike summer league. Yeah, that <laughs> actually be stakes yeah, and somewhat true. professional players going on. But that, I don't know about Kufos. Uh, did he get bought out by the Kings and just sat around? Is that what he's been doing since last season? I, feel, I think it feels so. right to me. Um, and I think Giannis yeah. almost ended him right last season. Was that? Coastal oh yeah. Yeah. So maybe they feel bad for yeah. that. I get it. But I think much I think, like, uh, Oh, sorry.
0: Yeah, oh. no, I was just saying, yeah, he, de- he definitely ended him. He like, he he like dunked the last lingering hairs that he had on his head off, right off. <laughs>
1: I think it's uh this is kind of like the Robin Lopez thing, but to like a much smaller extent, where like he clearly is something of an NBA player. How much he has left, I have no idea, but um, if. For whatever reason, they were able to get him on a minimum, then I wouldn't be super duper upset. He's again, just even further depth, but I don't know if you need to have like three true centers. That seems a little strange to me given the way the team plays, but whatever. I was, yeah, I was going to say, like, probably
2: don't need that third center when Ursan and DJ and Giannis can all play spot minutes at the five. But if Kufis is going to take the Pau Gasol role and just say a lot of nice things about Milwaukee, then okay, sure, I guess. All right. Last I think, thing
0: I want to oh, talk about okay. the TPE ahead, Riley.
1: Nope. Nope. I was going to say, <laughs> lead it up to the TPE. Let's go.
0: <laughs> I do kind of want to talk about Melka Brogdon. Maybe this is just, uh, I mean, it's definitely because this was how it went and this is how, this is how, what he has to do. Cause he's part of the Pacers now and he's talking about how he wants to, he's excited to play point guard more or whatever, but it did kind of feel like there was some lingering stuff. Like he didn't necessarily want to be here did you did other of you guys get that vibe
1: i we when kyle and i talked two weeks ago when like all the news is going down in free agency i had said then and i'm still kind of there like i didn't get that vibe at all like that people were referencing his exit interviews like oh yeah we'll see what happens but like it, it makes total sense that he's gonna be as wide open to whoever's gonna pay him as much money as possible so i i didn't get the vibe and, and then other people were looking at it, like oh well he referenced like oh I, i'm ready to play next to a selfless leader. And I really love the way that coach McMillan, like what his system is like, of course he's going to say really nice things about his superstar and the coach that he's presumably going to be playing with for four years. Like I didn't look at it at all. Like he hated it in Milwaukee or hated it with the organization or hated next playing next to Giannis. I, I didn't take it like that whatsoever, but maybe Kyle, you differ on that. No, I kind of,
2: it was the same, but like, you're not going to come into your first, like, a am not like interview with your new team and be like, yeah, I mainly was here for the money. Like, you're not going to say that. <laughs> I mean, you're not going to do what Jabari Parker did and say they don't play me to play defense. Like you're not going to say something stupid. And Malcolm Brogdon is a very smart person. So he knew damn well, like I'm just going to say the things I need to say. And then I read Eric name's article and it just sounded like Malcolm Brogdon wanted to play point guard. It wasn't going to happen in Milwaukee and Indiana was going to pay him and give him that role. I think it just came down to he wanted to play point guard. It wasn't going to happen in Milwaukee. And that's that. I think if, because they even mentioned like the second they traded Eric Blood, they traded for Eric Bledsoe, that kind of took it up. Like any chance of him playing point guard was gone. And he was okay with playing the two guard because he wants to help the team win. And, you know, it was still good for him because he was able to play. But when they re signed him, that was 100% like, okay. I'm not going to play point guard for this team unless there's an injury to Eric Bledsoe. And that's fine. Like he wants to play. He thinks he's truly a point guard and Milwaukee didn't. So be it. So I had no issue with Brogdon. I mean, he's like I said, he said all these things. I don't think he has any ill will towards the Bucks organization. And I know a lot of people are saying, well, he doesn't want to be in Milwaukee. And, I mean, just saying that Milwaukee is a very segregated city doesn't mean he doesn't want to be here. It's just stating an obvious
1: fact. Yeah, and I'm not sure, I don't know much about Indianapolis, but I'm sure it's not a haven of like racial equality either. So, People who are kind of referencing that as well, I think they're kind of missing the mark in that regard. Well, they
2: just had a cop shooting, so yeah, it's not going to be that much better. Well, I don't know if it was Indianapolis, but I think it was like South Bend. It was in Indiana, so it's not like, yeah, it's not that much better.
1: Yeah, so I, I think people who are referencing that are probably missing the mark as well. I think what you said, Kyle, and just kind of it's it's not an ill will like he he was willing to get on Milwaukee at whatever price like he got paid a lot of money to take on a bigger role elsewhere which in a role that he wants to have and you know good for him and good on the bucks given that situation if they had the idea like okay well this is just too much money to pay a guy who's going to be playing a two guard that you know he he wants to play as a one but they're able to get draft picks out of Indiana for the right to like not match the offer sheet to Malcolm. Like I think all things considered like the competitive issues for the coming seasons aside, I think the bucks did as best as they could with a really crappy hand. They were dealt with.
0: Yeah. hundred percent agree. I think you, you framed it far more uh, in a much better way than I did Kyle uh, in, in terms of the, his, his predilection and, and preference to play point guard. Uh, I think that's such a, Think that's a that's really interesting um i think he was fine as a point guard when he played uh, as a rookie or whatever but i mean there's there's tons of those opportunities here whether i mean whether you eric bledsoe was the point guard i guess but like it, it, nominally that didn't really matter i mean Giannis was the primary facilitator brogdon had like just as much opportunity to create off the dribble and try and make plays for guys too so um not necessarily i'm not totally sure if i buy that at least from that respect i also don't know Um, why he would want to I don't think he's really fast enough to guard point guards defensively so if he wants to do that in Indiana godspeed good luck man Um, but anyway uh, yeah obviously I I hope he does does well in Indiana and I I think for years I mean the bucks have bucks have made overpays to keep guys Um, this felt like just categorically like an overpay I mean like good he should go get his money he definitely should and the, the team I would say is definitely certainly worse without him but I think that whatever way you look at it, I mean, the funny money that was going around so many people got overpaid this summer, I think in a lot of respects, and we're just all justifying it because the money's out there and you feel like you need to spend it. And I think paying Malcolm Brogdon that much money, I think all of us kind of were like scoffing at that saying, yeah, it seems like it seems like an overpay. And so probably smart for the bucks to not make an overpay. I mean, they did, they've done that so many times. Tony Snell, M- Miles Plumley. John Henson, all of these guys that, you know, Horst was still there under Hammond. He saw all these overpays or suddenly was a slight overpay. So, um,
1: I was John John, John, John Salmon. Sam, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I just I,
0: think there's just a long history of that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I, I would agree in general. And it, it's, you know, I, I, like we said before, it's like we have this history of overpays and, the concern that makes most sense to me is like, like I said on the previous podcast, like the owners were very upfront. Like if we have a competitor, we'll pay whatever it takes to keep the competitor. And then everybody sees the first off season, even if objectively everything makes sense, like, okay, this is an overpay for a guy who's really good, but maybe not like $21 million and whatever tax implications good. But, you know, to have this very obvious and clear situation, like oh, we'll pay for a competitor. And then the first opportunity they have to pay for a competitor, they duck out on it. Yeah, I get why people shady. I, yeah. I get why people would be upset about that. But like I said, if we're, we're not trying to carry water for the team, I swear, I swear that's not what we're doing, but <laughs> objectively speaking, I, I, you can get where they're coming from. Where like, if we can keep as much flexibility and replace Malcolm with like a reasonable facsimile, whether it be like, you know, if Splicing together Dante and West Matthews into a mega person, or whatever their plan is, um, <laughs> I, I, I get, I get the idea behind it in general.
2: It's also not our money. To...
0: Yeah, that's true. Also, you don't need to splice them together. Dante's enough on his own. That's that's, right. true.
1: <laughs> that's true. And you know, it's crazy given how healthy Dante is too. Like when you compare <laughs> the health of Dante versus the health of Malcolm, like it's such an easy <laughs> decision for the Bucks. So I get where they're coming from, a hundred percent.
2: Well, yeah, one guy is definitely healthy.
1: Yeah, the one guy definitely is not missing an entire foot right now, and they're keeping that under wraps, deep deep under wraps.
2: Wait, which guy are we talking about there with the foot?
1: That's Don- Well, both of them, but I swear Dante's going to come back and he's going to have a bionic right foot. So she to be like, we had to amputate it. We, we were lying to you guys. He wasn't 100% healthy. And then we all have to pretend like we were really shocked that Dante wasn't actually healthy and he didn't actually prove anything in his 30 minutes of game time last season. But, you know, whatever. No big deal. We'll figure it out. <laughs> How do you feel about, oh. I, I guess, the only final, I guess, as we're kind of wrapping it up here, Adam, since we didn't get all of your free agency uh, takes, how did you feel about the, uh, I think, of all the roster spots, obviously, given Malcolm's not here, the two is the biggest, like, question mark. So how do you guys feel about, like, what feels to be setting up to be a platoon between, like, George Hill, Wes Matthews, Dante, Sterling? Like, do we feel good about that? Do we have questions at Pat, too? Like, there's a whole bunch of different options there.
0: Um, I have a, a lot of questions. I, I like, think it's, I think it's going to be fine in the regular season. I think it the, the frustrating part I think for me is that I think it'll be totally fine in the regular season. There's enough bodies to fill that void. Um, but I can, I can 100% see it getting exposed in the postseason. It Just because Malcolm Brogdon was, I would say probably when he came back, like maybe the th- third or fourth most important person, clearly way more important than Eric Bledsoe. And, um, you needed Malcolm Brogdon to play the way that he did in the playoffs for the Bucks to even have a shot at beating Toronto, um, considering how Eric Bledsoe played. So, I mean, if Bledsoe puts up a stinker again next year in the playoffs, and we're like hoping West Matthews will save the day, or Godspeed Dante, I mean, <laughs> good luck, man. Like I, I just don't like. I just, I'm, I still, like I said, tend to be fine with the move, but at this point, I'm, I'm doing it a little bit more on the faith of Horst making it some other move to find a guy who will actually be able to compete in, in the playoffs. But um, I think it's fine for the regular season, but uh, I, I think there's lots of, lots of reason for concern come postseason.
1: Yeah, I tend to agree with that. And I, I think, you know, when Wes Matthews, when the news came across, I think everybody was really excited and I'm excited too, but they're definitely like similar with George Hill, like how healthy are they actually going to be? And George Hill was awesome in the postseason, but is that going to happen again next year? I think there's some serious questions there. And we just saw with Sterling in the, in summer league, like unless he really reworks himself over the summer, I'm not sure we can go in and say, he's going to be like a definite go-to option, the postseason. And then, you know, Dante's got 1.5 feet. So we're going to have to figure out that, but I think there's a definite of all the positions. There are worries there. And I think, Again, this kind of runs back to like good on a horse for getting a couple of draft picks because that plus like the Urson contract, um, those could come in really, you know, come in handy in trying to find somebody else that just like you said, as we started off the podcast, one thing happens somewhere else and all of a sudden an opportunity opens up and you can capitalize on it. So I think worried, not super worried until like May, but we'll figure it out.
0: Any other thoughts from you, Kyle, on the two guard position? Um yeah, I think it's Dante's job
2: to lose, which I guess is fine. it's fine. I I don't know, like it's such a weird situation because the two guard out of like Milwaukee starters is going to be the weak spot, but at the same time that might be a good thing. Cause if you just need a guy to stand in a corner and space the floor out and shoot threes, that's all right. And We know West Matthews can do it. We know Sterling's capable. We know Pat Connaughton is inconsistent, but he is capable. And same with Dante. Like, I guess what we're asking out of the starting two is going to be a little bit. I think we're going to be asking too much for someone that's going to absolutely be the fifth option out of those starters.
1: Yeah, especially if Giannis's thing of, like, I'm going to try and go on with a guard mentality, then that reduces even more the need to have, like, a competent on-ball-two guard. Like, just somebody, like you said, Kyle can just stand around and shoot threes would be ideal. So I, I suppose that helps reduce my worries a little bit as well.
0: Also, Bud does like to play big ball. So I, I could certainly see him basically being, like, put Middleton at the two. Giannis is essentially a three or whatever, and then it's, like urson or wilson with uh lopez in the front court or something i mean we saw that huge lineup he ran out last year with um who was in that was it like miritich Giannis, middleton Bledsoe.
1: was that the utah game lopez. where like we had six players available yeah. and, like we're just going mega sized yeah and yeah. They dominated it was like a 25 to 2 run to start the game too and of course the bucks lost but uh it was an interesting look for sure
0: yeah so That'll be fascinating. Uh, obviously the rest of this offseason probably won't be that fascinating. I'm not sure we'll have a whole lot to talk about. So we may take a, a prolonged break here, but um, anything else you guys have to say about a free agency or summer league before we sign off?
2: It was, it was a time. It was a time.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, would, <laughs> I think we could probably end on that, but I tend to agree summer league. It was as unexciting as uh, we could have expected. And I think, like we have talked about, I think there are things you could quibble with about the Bucks' free agency and how the offseason has gone overall, but they didn't have to do a whole lot because the other Eastern contenders kind of either dissolved or are in a lot of flux right now. So uh, overall, I'm pleased there probably could have been more that the Bucs could have done, <clears throat> keep a TPE, but... Ah, uh, beyond that, I think uh, <laughs> I think they they did as best as they could, and I'm excited for next season whenever it uh, ends up kicking off. And then Feeble World Cup, like we said, I'll, then maybe that'll be our next uh, thing to talk about. But
0: yeah, so obviously, thank you everyone for listening. Go to brewhoop.com for all of our fantastic writing. Follow uh, Brewhoop on Twitter. Kyle's at the helm behind that. Read Riley's piece on the. State of the Eastern Conference. Um, You can read my piece about the least essential Milwaukee Bucks Summer League teams of all time. A little shameless self-promotion there. Spoiler alert, this year's was the least essential team that we've ever seen. Shout out all the real Bucks fans who stayed up to watch Bucks versus Team China for the Summer League game. So thank (laughs) you to those of you who listened, and we'll talk to you again soon. On the streets of old Milwaukee a young boy walking